What's up, friends? This has been and so good to talk to you today. I just wanted to give you a bonus episode on the podcast today. This is not the normal Q&A show with me and Marcus, um, but I recently had a chance to have a good conversation with Ryan Ellis of the PE Umbrella podcast. He had me on his show and he um, gave me the audio and was totally cool with me putting it up on our podcast as well. I'll let you guys listen to it. Um, if you never been over to uh, check out Ryan's podcast. I highly recommend it. He interviews a ton of really passionate, inspirational uh, PE teachers with lots of great ideas. So definitely go check it out at thepeumbrella.com. And without further ado, <laughs> here is our conversation. Hope you guys enjoy it. The PE Umbrella, episode 191. Welcome to the PE Umbrella Podcast with Ryan Ellis. Join me as I dig deep into the world of PE, interviewing inspiring practitioners from around the world, share my own teaching reflections, and discuss some awesome resources that you can use in your classroom. So what are you waiting for? Come on over and join me under the PE Umbrella. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the PE Umbrella Podcast. And as always, thank you so much for taking the time to join me again today With me under the umbrella this week is elementary PE teacher, the PE specialist himself, Mr. Ben Landers. It's a real pleasure to be speaking with you, as it always is. How are you doing today, my man? Dude, I'm feeling pretty good. It's good to see you as well. It's been a while. I'm glad we get to catch up. Yeah, it certainly has been far too long. And and you guys listening who are in the PE space, whether you're tuning in from the UK or anywhere else on the planet for that matter, You've almost certainly stumbled across and know who Ben is and the PE specialist Ben Landers on all the socials. You will have seen some of the awesome stuff he's doing on a regular basis. It's always been a huge inspiration to me and and I'm really excited to have him back on the show because he was a guest on the PE Umbrella way back in episode 26, no less. I would normally say go back and listen, but compared to the current standards of what I'm producing (laughs) podcast-wise, you might do well to stay away from that. Just know that it is there. Episode 26, four years ago, we had a good old chat, probably lasted 25, 30 minutes. And today we are going to, again, dig into all things physical education, mainly elementary, and just see what's going on with Ben um, in the current climate. But of course, before we do that, we always kick off the interviews with asking our guests to share with us an interesting fact about themselves that most people might not know. Well, uh, actually, not very many people know this at all, uh, and I might be the first podcast guest that you've had that is currently testing positive for COVID. Wow, goodness. Do you know what? I can assure <laughs> you, you are indeed the first guest on the show. All right, man. Share yeah, this with uh... us. You're positive as we speak. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, I'm currently quarantined. I'm on my 10-day uh 10 day quarantine period um and i made it as far as i know made it through 2020 free and clear teaching face to face all year and then come back 2021 in that first first month down and it shows the dedication of this man that he's still (laughs) making an appearance on the show despite that And, and symptoms mild obviously a bit run down but but nothing compared to what we've seen i guess in the media and how some people are impacted which is brilliant brilliant news but aside from all that, Ben is joining us in the middle of his quarantine, 
and uh, keeping spirits up. And what better way to do it than to be talking about all things PE and sharing with us some of his knowledge bombs, as it were, and tips and ideas. So if we just take things back a little bit, Ben, so we can understand a bit more about you as a person, as a teacher, maybe an elevator pitch, one or two minutes. Tell us about your background in teaching leading to your current role now. Sure thing, man. Um, so I started teaching in 2007. That's when I graduated from college and I got a job uh, as a traveling teacher between two schools. So I got to kind of see two different uh, scenarios, two different perspectives. And I was with two pretty experienced teachers. Um, and then three years in, one of those teachers retired and I got the job at that school. And that's the school I've been at for the last Oh, 14 years total. Now I'm in my 14th year. And uh, so from there, I kind of just started to build my own program and uh, make things my own and make small changes along the way. And then uh, in 2014 is when I uh, started the website, the pspecialist.com. And that was kind of a big, um, a little bit of a shift because I stopped being so focused on my own program and everything and started thinking about how I could share it with other people. So like, even now, as I'm teaching, I used to just be focused on like making sure everything was good for my program. And now I'm more focused on advocating for phys ed in general. And like, when we're playing a fun game, like, Oh, this is going to like be something that other people can use, pull out my camera get some shots of it and then shoot it to my principal and put it on my Twitter page and my teachers and everybody. Um, and that's really helped me to, become a much better teacher too because um as you start to think about how to share things with other people you start to understand them a lot more you think about the intricacies of everything a lot more and um, you start to reflect a lot more too which I think is one of those big that reflection piece is like such a game changer when you start really doing that more is when you start to understand everything a lot more and your teaching starts to click yeah so. sure I mean I'm with you on that the, the more you give the more you seem to get back and I've realized more recently that for me, it's it's the the creation of the podcast and talking to people like yourself and just sharing ideas has in turn helped me far more than I could have ever imagined as a teacher, as a practitioner, sparking ideas. And it's just a continuous cycle, which is lovely to see in the PE community, particularly online, Twitter and things like that, of which you've been a huge inspiration for, for me over the years since then. You know, you started, you said your website 2014, that was one year before I launched the PE Umbrella podcast. So we're sort of like uh, the old guard now, if you like. It's been a few years that we've been doing this. Um, if you were to think back to to Ben starting out teaching, which you said was, was it 14 years in your current school, you mentioned? 2007, yeah. 2007. Mm -hmm. So what, what would be immediately springing to your mind as one main difference between the 2007 Ben Landers, Coach Landers, Mr. Landers as a teacher, to the 2021 post-COVID version of <laughs> Ben Landers. Yeah, it's funny. I remember like the shift when I started teaching of like when, when you're in college, your identity is not a PE teacher yet. You know what I mean? Like right when you graduate, you don't really, you might see yourself as having a teaching job. But like when somebody asks me what, like, Hey, what do you do? Like, who are you? I might be like, yeah, I'm, I am a PE teacher, but like, yeah, I'm a college student. I like to do kayaking and go outside and hike. And that's like where my identity was with my, you know, the things I like to do with my friends and stuff. And somewhere along the way it started to shift to like really owning 
teaching physical education as part of my identity and something that I was born to do and something that I have committed of almost half my life to doing and helping kids become better movers. Yeah. And um, I think that was a big a difference from now and then. Um, but also just as you, as you teach more, more and more, you just gain that confidence and you start to be able to see, you, you start to be able to predict what kids are going to do ahead of time and you know what lessons are going to be good and which ones are going to go bad. And um, you start to build up your arsenal and your library of catchy sayings and funny jokes and all that stuff just kind of starts coming together to make teaching a lot more fun. Um, Those first couple of years are really tough. You're just kind of surviving and trying to figure out how to manage a class. You know, management is such a huge part of the teaching struggle. Um, and once you figure that out and once you, you get the lessons in the curriculum that really works with your kids, um, then you can just focus on teaching kids. And, and then you can be flying like you are now. Yeah. And I see some of the stuff you're doing and, and each year it's progressed, it's developed, it's trial and error. It's tinkering with things to see what sticks, what doesn't. And that's okay. It's part of the learning journey. It's not linear. You don't improve in a straight line. There's ups and there's downs. And we'll get onto some of the downs a bit later, but wondering if part of your identity now you identify you know as, as a physical education teacher that specialist and there was that transition period did you intentionally see that transition happening of your identity or is it is it been a byproduct it's just happened without you even realizing and now that you're sitting reflecting back you're like actually yeah I, you know i am this different person or did you always intend for that to be the case yeah i think the becoming a PE teacher, like that part of my identity just happened a little, a little bit naturally. Like after you'd done something for five years and previously you had never done anything for five years, you know, it, it starts to shift your, your identity a little bit. Um, but I remember like when I started the website in 2014, uh, I remember writing down as one of my goals, like I will become the PE specialist. Like I'm going to, that's going to be like my identity, you know, but at the time, like, like you were saying, go back to your podcast Dude, at the time, go back to my first blog post or please don't go back to it. But it's it's like, I wasn't the PE specialist. I was just like a random person that was deciding he was going to put in a little bit of extra work after school and and like try to focus on this and help people and learn how to build a website. I had no idea what I was doing. I suppose it's by, just the reps over time. Yeah, and by setting that that goal, I suppose it's it's almost kicked off this this unstoppable momentum almost a self-fulfilling prophecy is that something you've always done um setting goals for yourself writing stuff down is that a big part of who you are and what you do or was this just a one-off thing at the start of the journey of the PE specialist um it's something I've always been into I like I've I've always been into self-improvement books and the whole like uh idea of manifesting your destiny and like even just learning about how successful people get where they are, like learning the mm-hmm. principles of success. What do people do? They're the best at what they do differently from everybody else. Um, and writing down goals is one of those things that keeps coming back that pretty much everybody that's successful writes their goals down and they're very intentional with their lives. Very um, good point. So I'm very interested in that and in, in uh, self-improvement and the principles of like getting the most out of life. You know? I love that. Um, and being great outlook and mentality to have. And that's something I, I think, you know, we, we do have in common in that in terms of self-improvement books, I'm sat here as we're recording this on, on video as we're chatting, but I've got my bookshelf next to me with tons of stuff. What would be, what would be the favorite book you read self-improvement book for you or maybe you'd listen to if it was audio? Yeah. Um, one of my favorite authors is uh, John Acuff. Have you heard of him? Not, no, I'm, I'm going to write it down. Yeah. So his, one of the books that he wrote, he's got a series of books, but like 
the first one I read, I think was called quitter. And it was about how he quit his job to pursue his passion. And then he wrote a book called start, which was about how to start your goals and like start your dreams and start the projects that you need to start. And then his next book was finish, which was about how to finish the things that you start. <laughs> um, so kind of, I read all of those, like every time he would write a new book, it would come out and it would kind of be the perfect timing of what I needed at that time, you know? Um, I so that. I would definitely recommend checking him out. I look at that. Um, I think finish. I need, I need the book finish. Cause I'm notorious for, I guess I sometimes self brand myself to my wife, the ideas guy. I have tons of ideas and some come yeah. to fruition and I'll start them. But then I'm very easily distracted by another idea that crops up without finishing the idea I was on. And all of a sudden I have this, um, almost a cauldron full of ideas that are just not finished. They're not done. They're half baked. And I need to get better at that. So that could be one book useful for me. If I have a little scan and look up now at the books next to me, it's hard for me to pinpoint one or two. Some of the ones that stick out in my mind were The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy that I enjoyed. Um, I enjoyed the book Essentialism by Greg McKeon. Oh, yeah, dude, that was a great that. book. Really, really cool book that's just up here next to me as well. Um, and then other deep thinkers, things like, where has it gone now? What about um, uh, the one thing? Have you read that one? I don't know. I don't have the one. No, do I have the one thing? No, I don't. I don't have the one thing. Um, I can see it. Bear with me. I'm going to have a quick look. The Alchemist. That's it. Paolo Coelho. The Alchemist yeah, is man, here that as was, well. That was a good like mix of fiction, <laughs> but also it it gives you the feel of reading fiction. But it's such a like thought provoking book. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Somebody, one of my friends, gifted me that, and it was really cool. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's a really, really cool book, isn't it? Um, there's so many we could talk about, but the impacts, the profound impacts they've had, and it's great to hear from you that how I've always sought to use books in that way to, yeah, better myself, of course, but I always look for links to the PE profession or to teaching yeah. as a whole. Like how can I, How can I apply that? It might be a loose link, and sometimes I'm way off, and I'm probably just hitting and hoping but sometimes I think, you know what there's a really profound link there and i think this will be of use uh, and that's when many of the, the podcasts in the middle years one or two years ago i would reflect on books i've read and try and piece together things that might fit and work for the education community the power of moments by Chip i was gonna Daphne say i remember you i remember listening to you talk about the power of moments i read that one too that was really good and yeah, it had really interesting concepts in there applications yeah 100 so I, I think that's really fascinating and um something that more people perhaps should, should should try and take a leaf. And it's really cool for me to hear that's been a big part of your development and what you do is setting goals, striving for those um, marginal gains. And another recent book I read is Atomic Habits, marginal gains, getting yeah. better each day to make those long lasting improvements. Now, obviously gone off on a tangent there, but that's fine because I love it. But we are going to yeah, really I'll say one back thing in. about that before we go off. Go for it. Another another really awesome thing about setting goals and writing down your goals in a way that you're going to like archive them and keep them somewhere. I use just Google Docs for mine. Um, is you when you do that, you record the ability to go back and to time and look at where you were at in 2014. And like for me, like go back to my goals and when I'm setting my goals this year, look back at 2014. It it's incredible for me to see how much has happened in those six years. Um, so that's one of my favorite things, even though it will propel you forward. It's also so awesome to be able to look back and see how far you've come. If mm -hmm. you can set those goals, whereas if you don't write them down, you're going to feel like you're just not going yeah. anywhere, even though everybody's going somewhere. Well, the thing um, is, yeah, you'll never, it, 
I guess then you'll therefore, if you don't look back, you'll never appreciate where you are because no matter where we are, we're always inclined to look forward. This kind of that what's next syndrome. All right, so I'm here. So what, what next? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? But to take that moment and stop, look over your shoulder and say, you know, actually, wow, five years ago, this is where I was at. This is what I wanted and appreciate and acknowledge and maybe celebrate the fact that I've made a lot of progress here. I'm a better yeah. person, better educator. I've come this far and then set your sights on what the next thing is. Otherwise, you're just in this constant state of wanting to improve, but never actually feeling, I guess, fulfilled or satisfied that you have gone somewhere. So that's a really important and, and good point to mention, Ben. Thanks for that. Now, if we veer back towards phys ed teaching as a whole, it's been an interesting 12 months with the pandemic and an overwhelming the world's been disrupted to a large extent, I mean, what's been going on. But if I was to ask you now, what currently excites you about the PE profession right now, what would you say to me? Um, well, one thing I've been really impressed by and just thankful for is this whole pandemic, like everybody being locked down and, and teaching online. I think we already had an awesome community, people sharing stuff online and, and I'm not in any other teacher community. So it's hard to say, but I feel like PE teachers have to have one of the best online professional networks. Sure. Like I couldn't imagine another set of groups being more like generous and sharing and just fun to even do a Twitter chat with or hang out with or get on a podcast with. But like this has magnified it. Let's just throw the fire on it. And people that had never created anything have learned how to make videos, do resources, make Google slides, and they're just all sharing them and blogging about them. And, um, that's been incredible. I think the online community has helped everybody get through this together. Um, and that's been really, really cool to see. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm really excited and hopeful about is getting back to normal in the 2021 school year. Like that's, I'm just praying that we can get back to normal instruction. Um, because just the amount of, the amount of learning that has taken a hit this year, across the board of education is just insane um, sure. so I, I just want to be able to get back to that normal school yeah. and i think but. when we go back to normality whatever that is i'm almost certain there are elements that we've we've learned about ourselves or about the way we can conduct ourselves we can cherry pick and and take with us and there's definitely positives come of this and, and one of being as you said is the sharing it's been like a, a the spark has just been fully ignited the creativity of people it's because they've been backed into a corner almost and forced to do it there's been no other option you're going to teach remotely you're going to produce a video so they can see it otherwise people would have always done what they've always done and i think there will be parts of that which will go ahead and go forward when we return properly i was laughing earlier on in the year when people were posting the memes and stuff about how there'll be no more snow days because of course now we've all learned how to teach online none of this snow yeah. days they're still going to be learning but um it's been pleasing to see and i'm fully with you on that the pe community regardless of where in the world they are and whether it's facebook instagram twitter the the conversations and the helping hands that you can find on there is just second to none i reckon everybody listening to this is probably on most or some of those social networks if you're not you need to dive on because you'll find a whole host of, of helping hands out there for you. If we now look at Ben Landers, the teacher, and a T 
typical lesson that you might deliver if I was to come into your school? And I've asked a lot of guests this recently, rather than picture it as what your perfect PE lesson recipe is. I ditched the word perfect because I don't think that's something we can ever achieve. That's you we strive to be as good as we can, but perfection for me just doesn't always exist. So I'm going to go for the phrasing of ideal PE lesson recipe. What ingredients <laughs> nice. for you are essential to be in an elementary, primary PE lesson that we should all at least consider using as an ingredient in our own lessons? Um, I think for me, the things I try to do are, uh, well, this year, my, my lessons are way more relaxed. And my main goal is to like connect with the kids and just give them an outlet. Like my, the way our school currently has it set up is the only time that they leave the classroom is to come to PE it's once a week and then to go to recess uh, and lunch. So they like any other thing, like they can't go to the library. They're not allowed to like walk around the school a whole lot. So it's really one of the only outlets they have to just have an instruction and be able to move around in a big area, you know? Um, and so I really just try to make it as fun as I can. I try to provide lots of opportunities for them to communicate with each other and get that social interaction that I know a lot of them are kind of lacking right now. Mm. Um, but so when they, when they come into the gym, normally I just do a quick check-in like, Hey, thumbs up, thumbs down. How's everybody doing? How's your weekend? Uh, and we get into a quick instant activity and that just varies depending on what the, what the skill that we're working on is right now we're doing um, throwing and catching. So I had them like throw and catch a ball at the partner after they do it three times, they jog a lap around together and then go back and try it again and just give them like three minutes. I would say any activity that we're doing, one of the most essential things is having some good music. Um, that kind of sets the vibe for your lesson and, the gym and I think anybody knows like try doing something without music and then try and doing it with music that's really good and tell me is it easier with the music or is it easier without it it's like anytime I ask my kids to move and I don't play the music it feels like we're going in slow motion you know, turn the stereo on and then boom they're on it you know um, and uh, then we get a quick warm-up stretch in and um, my another quick essential thing is like before you get into the actual like core lesson, whatever skill or objective you're trying to um, do that, they explain the why to kids is so important. Um, why are we doing this? How are you going to be able to use it for the rest of your life? What kind of value am I adding to your life by giving you this lesson today? And why do you need to listen to me? Um, and that can 30 second little sell, you know, a little bit of marketing for your PE program. This is important, you know? Um, and then uh, I think, um, breaking your lesson up into different little level, I call them levels. Uh, and then that allows you to give refinements before you move on to the next level. So stopping every three or four minutes, allowing kids to give you feedback. Like my kids are so used to it now that um, we have a very safe space for kids to answer questions. They're very open to answering questions. And when I stop the music, they drop down and I say, Hey, what can, what kind of tips can you guys give me? Give me some strategies. What, what can you do to help your team be successful? And they'll raise their hand. And we'll brainstorm together. Once one kid starts talking then everybody else's ideas start getting going, which is kind of like what we're talking about with people sharing so many resources right now in the quarantine, you see all these resources and that really sparks your own ideas to make similar resources and spin off and remix things. 
it's the same thing when you have those conversations in class. Um, and then uh, one big thing I've been trying to do is to make sure for every closure that I have, closure is honestly one of my weaknesses over the last 10 years because I I will get so caught up in the game and the kids are so engaged and having so much fun that I run it too close to the end of class and we don't have time to pick up and close. And I'm always like trying to get them out the door real quick. Um, so this year, especially since everybody's wearing masks, I've given myself five minutes. We'll go take a mask break. We have them like spread out at like seven feet social distance spots. And then during that time, I'll do my closure and we'll talk about some st strategies of the game, refinements. What did you take away today? And then I always give them a quick review of the lessons that we learned that day, um, a preview of next week. And then I end with a thank you. And I just tell them, Hey, I, I really appreciate you guys. I love you. And I know that it's hard doing PE in a mask and that it's hard right now to be in school and you guys are doing an awesome job. Keep it up. Can't wait to see you next week. Um, so in and every day with a review, preview, and a uh, thank you. And then we walk out, man. That's kind of my formula this year for it. It's, it's, it's a great recipe. And I'll pick up on a few of those things that I've just, you know, in, intently listening to and taking in and found myself sitting here smiling and nodding along. And, and the first one that, you know, really resonated, struck a chord with me is that because of the nature of where we are now is you've almost that focus is on having fun, smiles and enjoyment over here my own kids and many others, particularly middle of 2020, spent so long off school, not in school, four months, five months, that coming back, when I went back in to do a bit of teaching in, in a local school to me, I said quite openly to the head teacher, um, other teachers, look, we're going to get some learning done. But my main goal is that these students, these pupils leave this session. They've interacted with others socially and they're smiling. They've had a good time and they're yep. happy that's far more important to me at this point in time than any physical skill or learning that comes with it because they've missed so much. And in life, that's yeah. probably going to take them further than how they're able to catch a ball or, or such. So that was my first thing. I think that's a great way to look at it. I think then Insta activities, and these are a lot of ideas here, which I've, I guess, seen and taken from people like yourself and others in the States that I saw first, I think the whole concept of an instant activity or um, an immediate starter over here, something you can get stuck into. And then music, which I definitely took from the American practitioners. I'd never considered in my wildest dreams that I would ever use music in a lesson, <laughs> but you are a hundred percent right. Ben, if you do an activity with and without, it is like day and night, the, the yeah. energy, the environment, the vibe of everything going on is just enhanced that much more with music. And they had the benefit as, of it being almost a class management tool as well. Music on, active, music off. Mm -hmm. That's, let's stop. Let's just see what we need to do now. Um, I think it's amazing. Another powerful thing that you mentioned being the why and how important, you know, I've got, again, going back to books next to me, I've got the Start With Why book next to me on the shelf here, but That's students knowing for what reason and purpose they're learning. Now I can hand on heart say when I was in school, I don't remember many lessons at all where I was told why I was doing it. And if I was, it was often the response of, well, just because you have to do it. For me, yeah. being the inquisitive nature I am, that that didn't satisfy my appetite and need for, for what I'm doing. And I would often switch off if I was told that because, well, it clearly has no use to me. And, and I've taken that on board hugely myself and I'm a big advocate of sharing why we're doing something and even if that why is as 
trivial as so recently in the past year I was working on agility and changes of speed with some younger students you know six years old five years old and we were looking at that and one of the whys at the start of the session I said well for example who in here has got an older brother or sister and you know half of the hands maybe two-thirds went up says so think about if you improve your speed and agility when they're chasing you and they're trying to catch you, as siblings do, you'll be even quicker than them and yeah. be able to get away from them. Some real-life application. Yeah, and you know, some of it, you could see that moment in their eyes and faces when they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. Like, I mean, this, is, this is how it can help me. I didn't get it before. Yes, it might assist you in a particular sporting pursuit, but in your life, which there might not be this sporting pursuit, how else can it help you? And that one really resonated. But there's other examples like that, of course. But I think it's so powerful for them to then think, you know what, that's why I'm doing it. I'm going to get better at that. And asking them what the why could be so it's specific to them. How might this help you in your life? Share a few ideas because some students might not know. But if they hear someone else, they might be like, ah, yeah, actually, that does resonate with me. That's that's my yeah. why for today as well. That's why I need to be working hard at this. Um, and then ultimately... Uh, the the last little ingredient if you like that i picked up on there is is inclusion being inclusive in that you know different levels maybe students can access things where they're at and achieve at their level whether it is through gamified means whether it's just through you showing a variety of ways or they can be creative themselves i think being inclusive in a PE environment to everybody regardless of ability and where they're at is so important for them to get something from it enjoy it and ultimately make them want to stay active and do it more. Because as PE teachers, that should be one of our ultimate, in my opinion, goals is that when they leave your classes in elementary or for me primary, they've got this self-driven insatiable appetite to want to keep moving. They're competent at doing it. And regardless of their ability, they're going to give it a go. And I think that can only be achieved if they've been sort of exposed to environments which are inclusive to them make them feel welcomed. And it sounds to me like you've built such an amazing culture of, of sharing and whatever you want to do in your school, that that's hundred percent happening. And I'm sure you're very proud of that. And it's, it's something I've taken away there from what you've said. So that's wonderful. hundred percent. If we look now then at maybe the opposite to what your ideal lesson would be, because we can all paint this picture and often share our best moments, the things that are amazing about our careers, our lessons and lives and, for me, sometimes, yeah. all too often, we don't share the negatives, which in, in reality can happen quite frequently. I'm wondering if you could now share with me and the listeners what you would consider in the past 14, 15 years, if you can remember, to be the worst, the absolute worst PE lesson that you've been in charge of and taught. Um, and if you could explain to us what was going on around you, that would be amazing, how you were feeling at the time, <laughs> what, what was falling apart, but ultimately, having gone through that experience, what you learned from it going forwards. Yeah, man. Um, let's see, the worst lesson. Well, I, I, the way my schedule is, we, we teach uh, once a week and I teach the entire school. So I'll start a lesson on one day of the week, maybe like a Tuesday or Wednesday, and then I'll teach that same lesson again for four days if we're on a normal schedule. Right now we have a weird hybrid schedule where we have virtual days and stuff, but... So usually the first time I teach it is the worst time because especially if I'm doing something new, I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. And so I can't tell you the amount of times that I've had that first day train wreck 
crash. I red pin my whole lesson. And then the second day, it's like a little bit better. And then the third day I read after red pinning it more, it's awesome. And then the last day it's like, this is golden. This is what I'm going to do next year. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but like this year, even every year you have like your classes that, that you plan this amazing lesson for, and then they just won't stop talking or they, they won't stop arguing with each other or they won't, um, do what they need to do to be able to, to do this amazing lesson. Um, which that's one of the most frustrating things for me is like, I did everything I could on my part, but then like my students and I'm like just having these same conversations with them over and over and we're wasting all of our time. Um, and I would say like probably the worst lessons, uh, especially at the beginning of teaching would, would be hundred percent with kindergarten. Um, because as I came in as a teacher, I, for, for one thing, I didn't have any experience teaching kindergarten because my student teaching experience was only second through fifth grade. And so I had never taught the five and six year olds. And so when I got to school, I was trying to teach them like second graders, basically. And I was like, going to do like a second grade type lesson. And it was just as soon as you say go, or as soon as you say, let's start total chaos, <laughs> just everywhere. Kids are everywhere, throwing equipment all around. They had no idea what I was saying. Um, and I just, the first three years of teaching, I just dreaded teaching kindergarten, dreaded it every day because it was just a total circus. Um, and then, you know, over time I learned to slow things way down. And my buddy Marcus that, um, helps me with the website, he always said, man, just remember they've only been walking for four years. And I'm like, yeah, dude, that's so true. Like we, we come in and we have to remember that many of these kids, if we're teaching elementary, like this is the first time they've ever been exposed to trying to skip or catching a ball or kicking a ball. Um, and so once you figure that out, then you're, you're having more realistic. I, I said, uh, lower your expectations earlier this year. And a lot of people didn't like that. So I don't want to say lower your expectations, but more <laughs> realistic expectations, um, for your students. And that is the key to, to having fun. Now I love kindergarten because I don't yeah. expect them to, to do the same things a second grader could do no for sure um, it's funny i <laughs> i remember seeing some of the, the kickback from you phrasing it that way now it's interesting to me because i totally got what you were saying watching that video and i was like nodding along like for sure like i, I completely get it i yeah my first experience teaching in a when i was a class teacher here was with year three and four so like seven year olds but i i was used to teaching older students and i couldn't believe I want of a better phrase, how weak they were, what they couldn't do. They seem much younger than I anticipated. And I had yeah. to completely realign and reassess where I was pitching stuff at. It just didn't fit, didn't, didn't meet. And um, so I completely get you with that. And I, and I resonated a lot with that video. And even when it comes to teaching kindergarten or call it EYFS early years over here, I've had shockers. I've said on the podcast before where I've marked out an area. And to me, it's very obvious that I've marked out with white cones, a square shape on the floor. <laughs> and that's the area we're going to be working inside while we're on this field. And then, right. okay, let's move around that area. And all of a sudden you've got 25, 30 students just bolting off in every direction <laughs> and you're calling them back and it's just a herd and, a complete mess and, and experiences like that. And then ranging to the worst one, one of the worst ones in most recent memory was teaching an older class who were, 
at the time, sort of nine, 10 year olds. And they were tough, a handful as it was, low level stuff, listening. Um, they needed sort of guiding, hand holding through a lot. Yeah. And then they had a, a class that ran alongside them in the school who weren't doing PE. They were supposed to be inside learning. And this lesson was after recess or playtime. There must have been a falling out between a couple of students in one another class. So I was in the middle of teaching PE. And from nowhere, another child from the other class came out of school outside with a massive stick wielding it like a sword and just started smacking two or three of the boys oh, in no. the class I was teaching with this stick attacking them. So they started physically getting involved back. Some teaching assistants came running out. This boy then fled over towards a school fence to try and escape school. The children in the class were going wild. And I was just standing there wanting to crawl into a hole and the world to swallow me up. Like, yeah, what on earth can I possibly do here to combat well, you this? Can't, um, you can't do anything. Yeah, the, the, I think that's what you had to figure out. Like sometimes kids are going to, even with if you have a perfect lesson plan, when you have a kid like that, that is maybe a special needs kid, or maybe they're not even identified as special needs. Mm -hmm. They just had a horrible day at home that previous day and their parents were yelling at them all night and they didn't sleep and they freak out and you have to evacuate your class mm -hmm. and call the administration for help. It's like that, yeah. you know, you can't do anything about That's it. You it. just have to learn to let it go. One thing I've learned is patience and that from my early years teaching, I, I'm much better at managing my own emotions. Whereas in my early years, when I was probably not much older than the kids I was teaching, I would respond emotionally and get annoyed and, and cross and maybe raise my voice quicker. Whereas yeah. now I have much more empathy to there's a reason that they're behaving that way or choosing that as a way to communicate. So I'll just step back and I'll just stay calm and just almost say to myself, it's, it's not me. It's not because of me. It's nothing I've done. It's just the situation, the environment, all the stars have aligned for this moment in time and yeah. we'll just manage it. And oftentimes that is, the right way to look at it and next session or even later on that session they'll improve or it changes and it's just a constant changing uh, environment isn't it but without dwelling on the negatives too much do you have that anything that sticks to your mind then which would be perhaps the most inspiring moment of your teaching career or a success story something that sticks in mind when you look back and you think actually that was a moment which really inspired you as a teacher it was the most success you've had in a particular lesson or string of lessons do you have any moments like that that spring to your mind oh man <clears throat> let me think about that for a minute i mean dude it's so funny like i don't have a specific one but just teaching elementary pe you you see that kind of stuff like every single day um to see like i get so inspired watching kids learn something new for the first time. Um, and, and when you teach kids, you're trying to teach them the concepts of perseverance of not giving up. And, um, actually I'll tell you one, this is one that I've talked about sometimes in a conferences. So maybe some people might've heard it before if you've ever heard me talk before, but, um, this was probably my third or fourth year teaching. And this was like a really big thing that'll it's the power of moments, you know, like that book that you were talking yeah. about. This is one of those moments that I will never forget. Um, but I had a kid that was in second grade, so I, I'm pretty big on jump rope. We do a four week jump rope unit at my school. And, um, this student was a newer student to the school. So he hadn't had any previous instruction. So he was a little bit behind. And, um, most of the second graders were able to jump rope and probably get like 20 jumps in a row. And he was still struggling to get that first jump. You know, he was a little bit overweight, but he was always 
given a hundred percent in class and just one of those kids that you just love because they're, they're always given that effort, you know? Um, and, uh, so I remember I could see him getting super discouraged and he got, he like just dropped the rope, went over and sat on the wall and he was like about to be in tears. And I was like, dude, it's, it's okay. You know, like these other kids have been here for a while and this is your first time doing jump rope and it's normal. The first time you try something, it's going to be hard. And the only way to learn is just to not give up. I promise you, if you don't give up, you're going to learn how to do this. And I was like, what if you practice jumping rope at home? And, and he was like, uh, he was like, I can't cause I don't have a jump rope at home. And I was like, you know, they have them at that, at the $5 store. We can go, you can go get one for only $5. And he was like, yeah, but my parents don't have very much money. And so anyways, it, it's like one of those situations where you, um, you do for one, what you wish you could do for everybody. And uh, so that's, uh, I heard that uh, from a speaker one time. I said, do for one, what you wish you could do for everybody. And it's an example of like a lot of people give that excuse of like, I can't do that for them because they don't have to do it for everybody. And I was like, no, I'm going to do it for this one kid. So I got, a jump, I got a jump rope from the equipment closet, put it in a little plastic bag, put a note around it, slipped it to his classroom teacher. I was like, hey, will you just stick that in his backpack? Um, and then, you know, give him, tell him not to tell anybody. And the note was like, hey, this is a jump rope for your practice at home. Don't tell anybody. It's going to be our secret. And um, it's like an example. You can't do that for everybody, but you could do it for one kid or two kids. Um, give one or two kids a little bit of extra love. Anyway, so like the next week I see him in the hallway. He's like, hey, Coach Landers, I got the jump rope. And I was like, yeah, man. And then over the next few weeks, I could really tell he had been working on it at home, like putting in some serious time. And we do this challenge called the uh, one minute challenge where they try to jump rope with no mistakes for one minute. And if they get it, they get to write their name up on the wall on a little piece of paper. And he, he made it. He got the one minute challenge. I was like, yes, wow. it was like the Super Bowl, you know. He goes over there and writes it on the wall. And I remember at the end of class, he came over and just gave me this big hug. And I had his like sweaty face imprint on my shirt. And he was like, you're the best teacher ever, Coach Landers. And they walked out. And I just remember like, man, this is why I teach PE. You know, like yeah. those are the moments that I hope I get to experience more and more of. That's so um, lovely. Yeah. Um, so, the, you know, there's smaller yeah. things like that every day. But like that kind of thing is just so perfect like that's yeah. what inspires me to keep going and like i say a moment that is a defining moment for you and him i guess something you'll never forget that that feeling that accomplishment that achievement and i think that that story says a lot about what pe is as a whole and how a lot of students will will navigate the pe world because we've all probably come across students who will try things and then we have that battle when they say no i can't do this and they give up and there could be a number of reasons that is but one thing I always say above all other subjects, PE is, is it's the most social and visual subject where the element of compare and despair comes in. I've, I've said this on many podcasts in recent history where you could sit in the classroom and you could be writing in literacy in English or, or doing some math problems or maths, but it's you're in your own space, you've got your book and you're doing your work. There is no way really that you can see what everyone else is doing. In a PE setting, in a gym, outside if you're doing something and everyone else is instinctively you're going to look and compare with everyone around you where do i fit in this demographic of am i one of the best am i not or that that they're clearly the best i can see how good they are and you they start yeah. to form judgments of themselves don't they and, and what they yeah. can and can't do and if they do find something tough and everyone else is getting it oftentimes it is easier than to give up and i see students go through this a lot in pe where they'll they'll not want to do it or 
they, they won't even try because they've seen what others can do. They probably know deep down they're not as good, so they won't even bother attempting it because for them, attempting it shows that they're not at that level and they'd rather not expose that side of them to their fellow peers. They'd rather their peers not see what they're struggling with so they can keep face or it, um, their, their identity as what they associate themselves as. Um, Self-worth isn't dented if they don't right. do that. And these are sort of struggles, I guess, as PE teachers we have daily. And I think there's a lot to be said about the culture we create in our classrooms. And it sounds like yours is phenomenal, welcoming, open, sharing, accepting failure, discussion, all of that over time can create such a strong environment where it's it's okay to try that. But I, I hazard a guess there are many um, classrooms around the world and teachers listening, hopefully, who who have that struggle, and we all do. I still come across students all the time who feel like that, but it's so lovely to hear your story and, and of this one boy who, you know, you have helped, you've done for him, he's gone away, and not only has he done it, he smashed it and got his name on the wall, and it's just, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it is what we do it for. That's a lovely, lovely story. Yeah, I don't want people to think that my, you know, you're like, yes, that's the culture I try to create. And that is what my goal is. And that's the kind of stuff I share because mm-hmm. I want to inspire people to move forward. But also, hey, I got the same struggles as everybody else, man. Like I got I got kids that give up every day. And sometimes I talk to them and try to get them back in. They don't come back in. They just give up and we don't have to try again next week. Um, so, you know, that comparison trap can go for teachers too, especially with social media. So just a little disclaimer, I, I have failures and, and the same kind of stuff that you guys do. We're all teaching kids and kids are going to have those same kind of issues. Yeah. So as a hundred percent, it's definitely worth pointing out. And, and it's just, it's an ongoing learning curve, isn't it? It's a journey. And like you mentioned earlier with goal setting, we're on the journey. We occasionally look back and see where we've come from, but ultimately we're always looking to, to move forward and strive forwards. What I'd like to get onto now, if you don't mind, Benny, is sort of just touch upon a couple of, couple of points from your amazing teacher tips series you've got an incredible youtube channel and instagram and i follow you on all these places and and i've been really engaged in more recent months with your teaching tips series not least the beautiful workspace you have i like the lighting is incredible <laughs> but more than that the content is a great watch we've already touched upon it from before when you mentioned about expectations which was one of the videos as well and um, and I find myself tuning in whenever you release one and watching along and, and picking up points that resonate with me and nodding along. And if I can just maybe touch upon a couple now for you to maybe elaborate and explain more for the listeners, and then we'll, we'll point them in the right direction for them to go away and watch you because it is definitely a must watch and uh, beautifully produced. So thanks, man. First and foremost, one which I see more recently actually, and I, and I 110% agree with, but if you could elaborate on more, which was, separating organization and instruction when delivering in PE. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, that's another one of those uh, lesson failure <laughs> learned <laughs> lessons. Um, yeah, so that the whole idea of separating uh, your instruction from your organization um, is like if you're going to play a game, when I started teaching, I would kids would come in, we would do a little instant activity, I would start explaining the game to them. Then I would split them up into teams, put them in their different positions. They would start the game and they had totally forgot everything I said about the rules and the gameplay. And over time, just through experimenting, I realized that if I would go ahead and split kids into teams at the beginning of class, and I even do that like 
when we're doing an instant activity, I'll go ahead and hand kids wristbands or jerseys and go ahead and have them split. So then when we're going to our warm up, they're already in two teams. Um, and then have them in their different positions for the game, have them sit down, and then you explain the game to them when they're already on their teams, already on their sides of the space, the field, the gym, and they can imagine and visualize how the game works and the rules. And then you can take any questions. And as soon as you say stand up, they're ready to play and they're already in their spots and they don't forget any of those rules and it just it saves you from a ton of confusion and a ton of wasted time when you have to stop the class and re-explain all the directions kids forget what to do yeah. um so it's just a little simple thing that i always try to remember anytime i'm doing any kind of organized game i always do my organization first and split up all the kids and get them where they're supposed to go and then give the instructions really fair point very fair point i've i've fallen foul of that myself and I, there must be other people listening you have as well uh, whereby I would explain something, explain the game, this is what we're doing, this is how it's doing. It might be something like Hula Hoop Throwdown, I'll be explaining that. This is the game, this is what the different things are, X, Y, and Z. And then when I finished explaining, right, now let's get into some teams, and by the time you've sorted everybody out, and then it's like, okay, we're ready to play, the kids have no idea what's going on. They're like, I, I've literally forgotten what yeah. you've just told me and then you're saying it again and by this point the kids are you know they're, they're fizzing they're simmering they're, they're ready to just do so I, that for me was a really great point on the on the teacher tip series and, and one worth yeah. noting you know separate the organization of your activity from the instruction of the activity to make it as seamless um, as possible and i always talk about the importance i guess of of the um transferring through your lesson from one activity to the other is how you do that is almost as important as the activities itself because it can make or break a session the flow of it if you're very mm -hmm. disjointed in changing between activities just that few minutes of the children not being active engaged and doing can spiral out of control so really really good points i've written a couple more down here um let's go for this one um make sure everything has a positive spin even if it's not a positive outcome and i think if i remember rightly and i'll let you tell this better it was to do with if you ask somebody to skip but yep. they'd choose something else tell us about that it's always <laughs> been positive yeah yeah so um this is something that i uh was actually a piece of feedback i gave to a student teacher one time um and i was like oh that's actually really good and i wrote it down to save i had been writing these thoughts down for the last like three years until i had about 50 of them before i started shooting this series um but uh so what had happened was he um had the kids like in their spaces and he was like all right when i say god i want you to skip to your next station area and he was like can anybody show me a skip and he chose one of the girls and she did a slide he was like oh that's not a skip that's not a skip oh, it's a good try though go back over there and then pick somebody else and the girl was like so distraught because she had like embarrassed herself a little bit in front of the class even though the kids didn't really care that much um but i was just thinking like man there's I never thought about it before, but if you kindergarten to first grade, like, especially when they do something and they do it wrong, like sometimes there's some kids are totally oblivious. They don't care. But like a lot of times they're so sensitive. If they do something the wrong way, like they'll start crying and they'll lose them for the activity. They'll go to the side. And so I was like, next time what I do is I just say, Whoa, that's an awesome slide. Because like the temptation is you can, to avoid hurting their feelings, you can say, oh, nice job. Can anybody else show me a skip and just not address it? Mm. But then you have all these kids looking at her doing a slide 
and they think she's doing a skip and now they're confused. Yeah. So you can't, you can't do that. <laughs> um, so what I always do is I say, Hey, awesome slide. That's such a good slide, but I bet you were thinking about a slide, not a skip. Right. And they're like, yeah, and I'm like, can anybody show me a skip? And so just thinking about ways to rephrase what you're saying, uh, if possible to, to rephrase it in a positive light, like I'm giving her a compliment. Everybody understands that's a slide. And now let's see a, a skip and you pick a, an example of the skip. Same thing for like a throw, like we're doing throwing right now. And I say, Hey, can anybody show me a, um, an overhand throw to the wall? And then somebody does an underhand throw and I'll be like, Oh man, that was an awesome underhand throw. Let's give them a thumbs up. But I was talking about that overhand throw. You thought I was, you thought I was said yeah. underhand, didn't you? And they're like, uh-huh. I thought you were the, <laughs> you're like, okay, no worries. Can anybody show me an overhand? Um, so just, you know, figuring out how to, um, how to rephrase things. Same thing with a hop and a jump. I'm like, yeah. who knows how to hop and kids start jumping around. I'm like, Oh, you thought I said jump, didn't you? Cause that's an awesome jump. <laughs> so just, just rephrasing with that. I, like that. I think that's a really refreshing way to look at it. Cause I, I know I do this and I'm sure many listening do this. It's very quick to pounce on and say, no, that's not what I meant. And you can almost become offended if you think they're doing it on purpose, but to just to rephrase <laughs> that. And we know research tells us, doesn't it, about, I don't know the exact statistics, but I've definitely read before about when children hit a certain age, how they hear significantly more no's, don'ts, yep. get off, than they do positive reinforcement. So if we can build that into our teaching vocabulary and it can become seamless. And I love the way that you've gone about doing that there, you know, to still keep these, these students, these children full of pride and happy about what they're doing and not put them down. That can only be good for the, the culture and the environment of, of the students that you've got. Um, and, you know, there's just a couple of tips. Another one I did write down, but we've already mentioned was about knowing the why you've got another video on that, but there's tons that you've produced on there. Just very briefly then those listening to the podcast, if they haven't already, where can they find this teaching tip series? Cause I highly recommend you go and have a, have a watch, take a bit of time, grab a drink, grab a notepad and just, just uh, watch and listen to Ben rattling off some of these ideas. Cause they're great. I oh, appreciate it, man. Um, yeah, the, the space is actually a co-working space that I'm a member of. So you were talking about where I shot them all this summer. Um, so uh, I'm putting one out every week and they go out on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and uh, Twitter, but you can probably, the easiest place to go is my YouTube channel. You just click on the video tab and you'll be able to see them all there. Um, and um, yeah, if you got any, if you got any feedback, hit me up in the comments. So I'm really enjoying hearing people jump in and you know, sometimes just like when you put something out there, somebody can make it better. Um, I'm learning from other people too. So that's been cool. Yeah. I'm and glad think, you're enjoying it, man. Thanks. No, I am. I think they're, they're really cool. I've enjoyed them a lot. And, you know, sometimes when it comes to comments on things as well, it's, I found it sometimes easier for people to say things that are controversial or negative than it is positive ones, isn't it? When you put things out there, but I, I think everything you've put out is spot on and, and I've really enjoyed it. I've agreed with it. found myself nodding along. And I guess that's the beauty of, I've enjoyed listening to practitioners around the world. You're in the US, I'm in the UK. I've spoken to folks in New Zealand, Australia, China. And there's so many, there's, while there's obvious differences, there's so many similarities and things that you can take from each other and learn. And, and it's been wonderful to see. So, you know, again, thank you for that. Make sure you do go check it out. It's well worth a bit of your time. Um, as we sort of go on the Thanks, downslope man. now and we wind towards the end of our chat with Ben today, a couple of quick fire questions, some which I think Ben may have fielded in episode 26, but maybe different answers now, four years down the line. Um, the first one, Ben, is this. Could you tell us, me and the listeners, a PE resource, it could be a physical resource, could be virtual, that you couldn't live without and why? What one resource could you simply not survive without? Um, so virtual or physical? Or physical, yep, anything. 
Um, physical equipment wise, would we've already talked about, it, but hundred percent be my music. Um, if you took anything away from me, it would not be my music. <laughs> um, and then also this year, one really, really great, uh, equipment thing for physical is, uh, my wireless mic, um, which feeds into the same stereo as my music, um, because with the mask on, it's just a lot harder to hear mm, this yeah. year. And with the, with the wireless mic, I can still just talk in a normal voice and kids all the way across the gym can hear me. Um, so I'm really glad I had that, uh, this year, um, for virtual, uh, there's a really fun game that I, uh, it's probably the best virtual lesson that I've taught this year. Um, and it's a website called Gimkit, gimkit.com, G-I-M-K-I-T.com. And um, they uh, offer free full access for 30 days. So it's a, I think it's like $5 a month after that, but I haven't ever done the paid version because we're back face-to-face now. Um, but when we were virtual for um, knowledge review, so like if you're doing a, a content review, we were doing the components of fitness with my third through fifth graders. And um, we were just working on a quick overview of the five components of fitness, which is something I hit every year. And so I made a little quiz bank, kind of similar to like Kahoot or Quizlet or any of those online quiz platforms. It's just a way to kind of gamify learning and quizzes uh, for kids. And if you're, is uh, Among Us, is that popular in the UK right now? The game Among Us? Yeah, those little colorful characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So kids over here, like playing that like crazy. Um, And so the, the company Gimkit, they made like a knockoff version of that. And so um, I made a little quiz bank for the health related components of fitness. And then the way it works is you set up your account, you choose the quiz bank you want to use, and then you select the game you want to play. And so I select the Among Us game. It opens up like this little, uh, you know, screen, separate tab interface. And then you just give your kids a link to log in similar to zoom or whatever. Mm. And they just log in on the site and then their names start popping up. And so you're live on a Google meet or on a zoom and you have the like game screen on one side and you're looking at the kids faces on the other side of your screen. And then once you log in, the whole concept is you have, you're on a spaceship. I'm the captain of the spaceship. Mm. There's two people on the spaceship that are imposters and they're trying to sabotage us. And so the kids throughout the game will have to answer the questions correctly in order to earn power. And with their power, they can start to gain abilities to try to find the imposters. And then you like call meetings every five minutes. You're like, who do you think it is? You have to vote somebody off. Anyways, the kids, like they were going crazy for it. They were like, can we play this again next week? I'm like, guys, we already going to take the test. Like you guys want to play for fun. (laughs) Um, So it was fun, man. I would recommend checking that out. If you're virtual, that's probably the most fun virtual thing I've done. That sounds, I mean, I want to play it. I'll be honest with you. Gimkit, not heard of it, but that sounds fascinating and tapping into the children's interests as it is, you know, another key for when you do it, even when in face to face lessons, if you want to theme something, but you knowing that your students are the majority into this particular new craze, um, and tapping into that and they're just buying into eating out of the palm of your hand with their learning. So that's, that's wonderful. Um, next uh, week, one more I- virtual I'll, I'll throw out one more virtual is uh, if you have, if you're teaching virtual, you haven't taught juggling yet. You got to check out Joey Fyth's juggling animated gift slides resource. Um, yeah. I was planning on creating something like this and I was doing a little bit of research on figuring out what progressions I wanted to use. And I found his blog post on it. And it was like, I think it's $10 or maybe $5. And then dude, it, the resource would have taken me 
two weeks to make. It's just so beautifully done, like everything that he does. Well, yeah, his stuff is just unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. You know, so I, I, taught, it. I taught with that for like three weeks. We were working yeah. on juggling skills. So I'd yeah. highly recommend checking that out. So that's the physicaleducator.com and head yep. over there. That's Joey's stuff, juggling kit. Yeah, there's, there's some great ideas for inspiration, particularly, you know, still over here where we're now in a lockdown 3.0 here in the UK and there's so much home teaching going on that could be a really good avenue to explore something alternate something different for teachers over here yeah. for sure um, a couple more quick fire questions then um what would be your number one class management tip for teaching a number group one. of 30 plus students so what's the top tip for classroom or behavior management uh consistent and clear expectations that you actually implement <laughs> like yeah. so like we we have expectations of like you you talk when i'm talking warning first time second time is strike two that's a refocus you go and sit out and take some time to think and i'll come talk to you third time is strike three that means you're out and you get a note home and i'll have student teachers that come in and we have the same expectations like it's posted on the wall but they won't actually implement the expectations like the kids will be talking like hey please don't talk while i'm talking but they won't actually give them a consequence. Um, and so once you start actually giving the consequences and you actually do what you say you're going to do, you'll see the behaviors that you're trying to eliminate start to subside. Um, and one important thing to do when you're handing those out is, and this is actually one of my teaching tips, Ryan, that's going out. I don't think it's gone out yet, um, is to do that with an oh no attitude. And so like, whatever you're about to say, start it with the, I always start with the like word, oh no. Um, or at least that mindset of like, oh man, I wish you didn't talk while I'm talking. I'm sorry, but can you go sit on the side? And so it gives them a totally different feeling, right? Then if you said, oh, please don't talk while I'm talking, go sit out. Yeah. Because that's such a like antagonistic thing. Whereas mm -hmm. if I say, oh, I wish you hadn't done that, man. Can you go sit on the side? I'm sorry. It's like yeah. you broke our trust. We were a team and you you broke the trust that we had. Yeah. Like we're gonna have to talk about it. Yeah. So it sets you up for a better conversation yeah. whenever you're actually talking to the kid later. It's a really, really fascinating point. Because I think otherwise it can come across as that you were you really wanted to put move them on that, you know, sit right. them out. And you want if you say it in the, the way you said, but if oh no, that I really, I really didn't want to do that. You know, we, we are on the same team. I want to help you out. And it and it disappoints me that I have I have to do this now because we've talked exactly. about it. This is the expectation we have. And, you know, it's disappointing me. I'm going to have to do it. You know, there's a way that you can obviously redeem that and, and work your way back in. And I think that's a lovely way of looking at it. But consistency is key. There's another video, won't go into it now, but you can check out again on that series as a consistency is key. Um, but make sure it doesn't get boring. So I'll let people go over it and watch that in their own leisure. Um, final quick fire question then. What is something in the PE space could be recently or in the past couple of years that's made you sit back and go wow that's good oh that's awesome oh that's cool um uh, man there's a lot of like technology stuff that i feel is a little bit uh out of grasp for most people that i've thought is really cool and really amazing um but I don't know if it'd be worth talking about because like most of it's so expensive. I don't think many people are going to actually be able to get their hands on it. Um, I think, you know, I, I don't have personal, personally, I don't have heart rate monitors, but I think the idea of doing instruction and doing grades based on uh, a large portion of it, based on your, your heart rate is a really cool concept um, because it 
like the people that I've talked to that do that, it totally evens the playing field for everybody. Cause you're, you got one person who's drastically overweight and out of shape. You have an athlete over here. And when you're looking at it, when you're looking at the class, it looks like the overweight person might be just lazy and they're not participating, but their heart rate is like skyrocketed because they're so out of shape. Whereas the athletic person looks like he's into it, but like he's not even trying hard. And when you take that data, then you're like, Oh, you get an A, you get a B plus. Cause you weren't really trying. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm not saying we should grade solely on effort. I'm just saying that could be a small component of your grade and it helps you to have more, uh, objective data to like make your assumptions, yeah, um, for sure. which I think is a really cool thing. I've certainly seen a, a, an increase in these, these I don't call them fitness trackers or bands in the past 18 months or so. One of the ones over here that, again, I'm a big fan of, and I know some schools have implemented really, really well. It's called the Moki Band, M-O-K-I. Uh, and students at the start of the day this was it's mainly it can track physical activity levels throughout the day not just in a lesson so schools would often use it over here to generate data cool. sets for their class depending on you, know, you can split by gender or however you want to look at it to address imbalances throughout the school day so they'd scan yeah. it when they come in it tracks you know steps heart rate whatever you want to call it and at the end of the day they then scan out and then it generates you graphs bar charts all sorts and you can see well actually why have we got this amount many more boys who were more active than the girls and look at this part of the day oh you can tell they had pe or recess then but look how sedentary yeah. they are in these lessons what can we do to make that bit of the day more active and to inform future choices and they they're really super cool piece of kit called moki bands and well worth awesome. checking out so we want to look at there right then before ben after today's awesome conversation we get your contact details social handles and all the like the final question i ask all guests on the show now and again this is a question that came into play long after our first chat is this i'd like to know what you have learned either about yourself or the pe profession one or the other in the last 12 months that you didn't know or believe before that so I'll say it again. What have you learned about yourself or the PE profession in the last 12 months that you didn't know or believe before that? Hmm. <laughs> uh, I've, I've learned about myself that I never want to be a full-time online virtual PE teacher. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I probably knew that ahead of time. Um, and even more so than before, like if people would told me that they were like online PE teachers or kids that were in online school, take PE. I would have thought like, I don't really think that's quality PE. I don't see how you could do that. Even more so now, I just, it's just the whole, uh, the worst subject to try to teach in a virtual environment. It's just so hard. Um, there's so many things that we do that are, um, that can't be done through the computer. And, uh, and I just uh, can't wait to see more kids being back in the classroom to get that like quality instruction is so important for their physical, social, and emotional well-being. Um, I think that's been really evident this year more than anything. Yeah, it's it's really really like a salient, important point in that I feel much the same way about PE in that there's a lot of effort rightly so going into providing opportunities over here for home learning and PE, but there's just, it's not the same. It's never going to be the same. There is a, yeah. a huge gulf, a huge gap, an ingredient missing. I almost liken it to, 
if you go on Pinterest because you want to make a really nice looking cake and the cake you see on Pinterest is like phenomenally decorated. It's like the program Cake Boss. It's like the best cake in the <laughs> world. And I'm making it look like Arundel and the castle for my daughter's birthday. And then the cake that comes out that I make, which looks absolutely nothing like the cake I wanted it to. I see that as like P in real life is the amazing one. And the cake I've made is just never going to live up to that because there's probably ingredients great, missing. So great illustration. that's that's where we're at with that. But I think that's a really, really um, a point many people will agree with in terms of PE and delivering online. Now, before we leave our conversation today, then, Ben, how can all the listeners of the PE umbrella, if they aren't already doing so, catch up with you, follow your journey, grab your resources? So social handles, website address and all of that stuff. Yeah, man. Um, well, I, you know, for podcast folks, I do have a much more subpar podcast than uh, the PE umbrella. We post very, very infrequently. Um, but it's uh, the phys ed Q and a show. And it's also linked up on my website. So you can definitely check that out. I think we have about 15 episodes. Um, and we kind of do like we try to do a master class on one question. So we'll do like a 40 or 50 minute episode on one question covering, try to cover one content super in depth. Um, and um, all my social and everything is on the pespecialist.com. It's all linked up there. So if you're a Facebook or Twitter, or Instagram person, you can always just find me there or YouTube or whatever. Um, but man, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate what you do, man. And it's so cool to jump in and listen to, like you said, people from all over the world all over the country and get these different perspectives um so thanks for, for having me on again uh, it's been an absolute pleasure and, and p umbrella listeners you know you can tell why i've wanted ben back on the show there's been so much information carefully thought out answers shared today and he's doing incredible stuff with his pe delivery and the content that he shares so you do need to make sure you go check it out Make sure you head over to peumbrella.com. Brief show notes for this episode. Jump back and see previous episodes. Episode 26, should you dare to go that far back when Ben was first on the show. <laughs> um, and it's well worth checking out, plus a ton of resources that have been shared on there as well. All that's left for me to say, though, is for you guys to keep on motivating, engaging, and inspiring the students that you teach. And I will see you all again very soon under the PE umbrella. Thanks again, Ben. Appreciate it. And that's it, friends, for more awesome uh, podcasts. Make sure to check Ryan out over at thepeumbrella.com and to listen to the rest of Marcus and my great conversations where we discuss topics around the world of physical education and we try to cover um, a main subject and give a masterclass on that subject. Make sure to uh, check out our podcast show notes at thepespecialist.com slash podcast. Hope you guys have an awesome day and as always, have fun and teach on. I'll catch you later.